Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to a special edition of Nerder She Wrote. Uh, I don't do interviews like this very often, but I happen to be in Belgrade, Serbia at the same time as the, the women's U.S. national team. Uh, and they were playing their Olympic qualifier. And I had an opportunity to sit down with WNBA MVP, two-time champion, Sylvia Foles. So I took it. So here's that little uh, sit-down interview. Hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking to her. Hey, how's Serbia so far? Uh, Serbia has been good so far. Um, I'm a little homesick, just a tad bit. Uh, but for the most part, it's been good. Um, yeah. You guys had a, had a nice game last night? We had a nice game last night, but also it helps to uh, be around these women um, that you like and you enjoy, and you get to be in they, they present for this brief moment, so it also helped being yeah. with them. Well, you guys have a ton of continuity coming uh, into the Olympics. Yes. And it shows. I mean, it, there are a few advantages you guys have, obviously. I mean, right. you're just a better basketball team mm-hmm. than any other team you're going right. to run into. But the continuity shows quite a bit when, right. uh, when Skyler was – was on fire in right. the third quarter last right. night. You guys just kept feeding her. And, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you know because you guys have been together so, so much. Um, yeah. And then I think that's the beauty about USAB. Um, coming in here, you know, any night is your night. Yeah. And we see that. Like, when you're on, we make sure we want to feed you as quickly and as often. And it so happened to be Skylar Knight, and, like, and she was feeling it, and we were just making sure that we get her the ball making sure uh, we do everything to make her comfortable to keep her going. And so last night worked out well for us. Yeah. And so aside from the continuity, I mean, clearly you guys have the size advantage. Yes. And, and uh, what I loved is that, I, I don't know if this is Coach Reed, uh-huh. but the bigs, you guys would get out in transition. And you guys were outrunning everybody. <laughs> so, you know, like they were feeding you guys every single time. And you were just getting, getting down the middle of the lane. Right. And there's nothing um, that a, a team was – like Serbia has a little bit of height. Right. But not much like actual size. They didn't have size, but those jokers are strong. Um, and I think that's one thing that we probably lack a little bit. Um, yeah, we're athletic, we're tall, uh, we're quick, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But they kind of beat us up a little bit. But I think that's going to be the game changers for us across um, this Olympic run. It's just how big we are and um, how can we expand that? Because you have a, a Stewie who can play the four, but she can also expand to the three. You have a NECA at a small four, but you can also put her at the three. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an Asia. Who can, and so those things help us out in the long run. And heavens forbid, if you put the twin titles in at the same time, uh, Brittany and I, uh, those are just yeah. double, double trouble. I, I was going to say, I feel like <laughs> that one's coming out at some point. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, I think she's just trying to get adjusted to things. Mm-hmm. She's just coming off her season from Russia. And so she's still... Trying to get a groove, but she looked really good last night. Right, yeah. There's no team, no need to wear her out. Right. For, I mean, because you guys are already qualified. So right, correct. This is more of a friendly. Yeah, more of a friendly, but also, too, trying to get that chemistry down packed. Um, we have a lot of Mrs. Pieces coming in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for the Core 7 who actually committed to this thing. It's yeah. good for us because we kind of have that bun, and so we know how to play with each other. But just those pieces coming in and out, uh, you, you pretty much have to get acclimated to really fast. Yeah. The, the other big advantage that you guys have is your guard play. Mm. Um, it seems like in international basketball, the teams that succeed are the best ball handling teams, right? right? And, and you know this because right. you've played overseas, so you've played against a lot of foreign players. Ball handling is not a priority in the rest of the world. Right. And so as a, as a big, right. like how do you help 
create room so that your guards can actually get penetration? Um, just me personally, I, I just like to seal. Um, yeah. Even when I know the ball is not coming to me, the place is not for me. Um, anything that's going to help give us, I mean, give our guards that edge, I try to do. And so most of the time we run a play and I know it's not coming to me, but I'm going to post hard because that's going to give them opportunity to get the shot that they need. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so just let's, let's talk a little bit about the evolution uh -huh. of the game during your career. Right. Obviously, the NBA's had a three-point <laughs> right. evolution. I mean, the, the Houston Rockets are averaging about 44 three-pointers a game. That is sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not happening as fast in the women's game right. as you would expect. And now, why do you think the post-play is so much more effective in the women's game? Is it, is it the disparity in size, or, or is it something else? Um, actually, I don't think it's the disparity in size. I think a lot of post players, the older they get, they refuse to be under the basket. Yeah. And so it's almost like a, a lost trait. Right. Um, so it works in our advantage because we have those post players that's willing to get down there and post up and get beat up. And you just don't see that coming in the guy's lead. Nobody wants to get hit 50 times a game. Nobody wants that pressure. And so I think it's a lost trait in mm -hmm. the man's world. And for us, it's something that we're just trying to keep alive just a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I think it would shock people if they really got to sit like around the basket. Right. Just how much more physical you guys are. Like, listen, I, I've coached women. <laughs> it's meaner. It is. It is because us women, we feel like we have something to prove. And um, especially being like with USA, you have a target on your back because everybody has something to prove. Um, and for instance, last night, Serbia was playing at home in front of their crowd. So they came out just beaten. You know what I mean, I mean, beaten, like woe us out. But at the end of the day, you have to think about they're not going to outlast me. Right. And so you got to keep that pace and keep going because at some point I think they kind of gotten tired yeah. and kind of fell off in which it worked for us because that's what we used to. And right. I don't think every national team has that. Well, you guys go 12 deep yes. with like Hall of Fame <laughs> level players. Yes, right? and that's, 12 deep. Yes. And that's the beauty of it. Right. I mean, you, you want to pick your 12 best elite athletes to be part of this run. Yeah. And um, I think we've proven that over time, time after time. And I'm just happy to see, like, these young ones, like uh, Ariel Powell. I mean, not Ariel Powell, Erica Atkins. Er Atkins, yeah, who can she, just shoot the lights out. That, too. And I was so surprised to see her last night. Her energy, her body language yeah. out there defending like she'd been here before. And so that what USA bring out of you. They bring that, that, that next level out of you to just make you want to go out there and do the things that you never thought you can do. Yeah. Yeah, Ariel last night really – I don't know – how Serbia kept losing her. I don't know if it was they lost her or she was just finding ways to right. get open, but it seemed like she had a few possessions in a row uh -huh. where she was, uh, you know, she was a, a weak side pass, right. wide open catch and shoot. Um, That's going to be dangerous once you all get to the Olympics. It is going to be dangerous, but, you know, I don't think they lost track of it. They just were so worried about the bigs. Yeah. Um, you can't really stop them. So what you do, you send double teams, sometimes triple teams. So they're going to always be open on the backside. And so that's where it comes into effect where our guards can shoot those yeah. trees. And it really helps for us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so back to, to being a big in a, in a game that still actually has post-play and, right. and, and goes a lot inside out. Yes. Um, how much time are you putting in on footwork? Because this is one of oh, these things. Man. And Candace Parker being on television has right. helped a lot. Yes. Uh, the stuff that she did on Area 21 with KG right. I thought yep. was, was great. Uh the footwork in the women's game mm -hmm. is excellent. How much work are you guys putting in? Um, I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, this is an everyday thing at practice. Uh, we start off 
with uh, footwork for me. And um, that's very important because in my position, I am getting triple and double teamed, so I have to find outlets to squeeze through if I can go through two people or found that outlet to our guard. So that's something that you work on very often. Yeah. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the WNBA CBA. Yes. It's a big thing. The good stuff. Uh, I mean, listen, obviously, huge congratulations. Thank you. Right? This is huge you. for you guys. Yes. Um, not only the pay increase, but the benefits increase. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it seems like the league and, and the Players Association are committed to finding partners. Right. To, to increase revenue, which is exactly sure. what the sport is needed. You know, like, there's one thing to say it needs more attention. <laughs> right. Which, of course, it does, right? Uh, more coverage. Yeah. Te a better television right. deal. But the sponsorship actually will create more avenues for, for these Yes. Things. So, I want to ask you, because it w those are the easy ones. Yes. Everybody knows that more money is good. Right. What is the best part of the new CBA to you? Because I have, I have a note here, uh -huh. and I, I have a guess on what it's going to be. Uh-oh. I think... The best part for me is giving us that flexibility to be women. Um, I was very surprised that we never had any health benefits for women. Um, I get it, like you cater to the guys. Yeah. I get that. But for us to be a women's sport, how did you not think about those things? And we have a lot of mothers in the league that could have benefited from the CBA. Um, but so I think that's most excited what I'm about. And um, I think that too, because I don't want to put a time on my career, uh, but I am getting to that point where I am thinking about winding down, and those are one of the things that I have to take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> my guess, okay, yes. the, I, what I thought you were going to say <laughs> is that you guys are finally going to get your own rooms on the road. Oh, see, I was embedded into <laughs> a good spot. I think I only had to roommate with somebody once uh -huh. throughout my career because yeah. the people on the team kind of right. – Faded in and faded out. Uh -huh. So I got lucky through the system uh -huh. of not having a teammate. Um, oh, well, being an MVP probably doesn't hurt. <laughs> right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. But um, that is true. Um, Listen, I like my own space, no, right? That, that's I, so I true. Get it. But you have, you have these young women in their prime of trying to figure themselves out. Yeah. And having a roommate sucks. Right. Like, who wants to have a roommate during that time? You moody. Yeah. You have attitude. Half of the time, you don't want to be around these people because you see them all day. And so, just to give us that privacy and that space, I think is also a big yeah. one. You know, Steve Kerr, actually, he talked about it right after the CBA, and he talked about, because it was during his career right. that the NBA finally got there. Right. You know, and, and so it took them like 50-something years. So, you guys are ahead of the NBA on we, that we one. We're trying to we trying to stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, we're trying like, to stretch it out a little listen, bit. Listen, I like my own space when I travel. I, you know, uh, I'll be in Chicago for the All Star Game. <laughs> yes, I booked a hotel away from everybody, right. so I get it. I mean, I get that. Yeah, that's that's totally understandable. If yeah, I yeah. could have done it that way, I probably did the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look, looking at the league mm -hmm. going forward, I mean, how do you see the CBA affecting, you know, the the day in day mm -hmm. out uh, of the WNBA? You th do you feel like they're going to be able to get players to stop playing overseas? Yes, at some point, I believe so. Um, but even to go back yeah. uh, just a little bit, yeah. um, we had like over 90% rate of people participating, these young women. So it shows that they're in tune yeah. and they're liking what we're doing. And so to have that feedback, it says a lot about these young women are some rebels, which I like for one. And, and they all about building their brand. As for me, like, 
in my era when I was coming, I had to go overseas to make money from a right. financial standpoint. Right now, these girls hate going overseas, but they want to build a brand. So giving them that opportunity to stay here in America and do so, I think is a plus. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the the WNBA players that are working hand in hand with the NBA? Right. Thinking about post career stuff. Right. You know, Christy yes. Tolliver working as an assistant. Right. Uh, Lindsey Harding now an assistant. You know, obviously right. retired right. from the WNBA. But do do you feel like the WNBA and NBA should explore that partnership even further? Um. Yes, I think so. Um. Just think about how how many years. We've been doing this, right? Yeah. And we have a passion for it. We have a drive for it. Uh, so to give us that inch of room to come be part of their world and see how they do things, I think it should always be that, that window of uh, brother-sisterhood to allow us to see those things from the other side. And so, yeah. yes. So you were talking about your career winding down, and I know that uh, no <laughs> athlete likes to think about that. Right. Um, do you plan to – do you think you're going to stay in basketball? No. Okay. All I right. Don't, I don't think I'm going to. Now be the reason I asked is because I already knew it, <laughs> because multiple people told me right uh, that you were studying to be a mortician. Yes. Of all things. Yes. Now, listen. I listen. We. I guess you need morticians. <laughs> how did you? How did you arrive there? You know, from basketball, it has nothing to it do with so basketball. It seems so quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like, how long have you been studying to be a mortician first? Okay, so I started uh, back in 2011 when I was in Chicago. Uh -huh. 2015 was supposed to be graduation. Okay. Just put that out there, yeah. right? I was in a bad place in Chicago, really didn't want to be there. And so, you know, things started happening. So I was like, well, I'm not solely focused on school, so let me stop wasting my money. This, let's sure. just be honest. So I stopped going to school. Um... Fast forward, 2015, my trade finally go through through Minnesota, and my life just looking tremendously amazing yeah. <laughs> from there. And so, um, we wind all the way back to the beginning, when I was five. Um, my grandmother passed away, mm -hmm. and my siblings thought it was a great idea to give her a kiss as we take her to a burial. I was like, oh, okay, cool, everybody else doing it, I guess now I'm not. Um, but I had an allergic reaction to the embalming fluid and didn't know it at the time that it was an allergic reaction. I just felt like they did something wrong. Uh -huh. So I remember getting in a limousine, heading to the burial, and I was telling my mom, like, this is what I'm going to do when I get old. And she's looking at me like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, right, all right. This kid five years old, what she mean? You know? yeah. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do when I, when I get older because I'm going to do it right. Okay. And so... I never really understood what right meant. Right. I just felt like they did something wrong because I had an allergic reaction right. from it. So I was like, they did it wrong. I shouldn't be at you. And so as a kid, like, you don't know how, you know, kids, right. your mind just all over the place. Yeah. But I always had a infatuation with death. Oh. Like, I can remember as a kid, like, always you like horror movies? I do like horror okay. movies. Okay, all right. Like, as a kid, I can always remember, like, myself thinking all the time, like, oh, what's heaven like? And where do we go? And what's out of space? And, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So I always had a fascination with, like, afterlife type thing. Okay, that's that. Um, I get into basketball my eighth grade year uh, for middle school. And it took off from there. So, you know, you kind of put that mm -hmm. on the back burner and forget about it. But I think in 2014, I had a hip repair to my labrum and had eight anchors. And I think that was my wake-up call. It's like, basketball is not forever. Right. And so that's when I was like, I got to start thinking about, like, what I'm going to do next. 
Like for real, for real. And you get a lot of time like, yes. with that hip machine. That yes. Has, yeah. And so, you know, you start going crazy. That was like my first big injury ever throughout my, my mm-hmm. career. And so I just was like, I got to find something that's going to keep me as interested as basketball. And I was like, I'm going back to school. I went and stopped. I'm going back. And so from there, it, it took off in 15 and December 2020 is graduation for me. That's amazing. <laughs> That is the most unique post basketball career I could think of. Oh wow! I mean, I don't. It really is like because you know most people, and and maybe that's our fault for putting people in a box, right? You know, right? Oh, you're a basketball player, so you must uh, plan to do something in basketball. basketball. I know. I mean, think about it. Yeah, because a lot of people ask me all the time, "Are you going to coach when you finish?" I'm like. No, I don't think that's well, especially the life I great take. players, right? right? Like you know, like that's our thing is right. like we're just so used to great players wind up going to a front office right. or to coach right. or you know college coaches. Right. Right? I mean, Jawan Howard now mm-hmm. back at Michigan, right? right. And so I, I'm sure people at LSU are like, "Come on, <laughs> they, come they have on been home. asking, yeah. they have been asking." But okay, so I've always been a realist on life, and so I always tell myself like. You've dedicated so much time and commitment to this one sport. You missed out on pretty much your whole life. Mm -hmm. I missed out on my nieces growing up. I missed out on graduations. I missed out on birthdays. I missed being around my mother on Mother's Day. And, like, so those things, like, hit home for me. And so I was like, when I'm done, I think I'm done because it's taking up too much of my life. So I want to do something different that's probably going to give me that flexibility to be home more. And And basketball will always be there. And it will always be there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if you do any grassroots stuff now, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, obviously Kobe Bryant just passed away, right. had a huge grassroots movement, right. and so there's always room, right? especially for legends, right? I'm like, trying. You know, you I'm can, trying to you be on that legend level. <laughs> All right, so I know, you know, you got to go watch film here in a minute, Uh-huh. but I, I got I got some quick hitter questions. Let's go. I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's okay. go. So, first of all, how is the trash talk in the WNBA? Does um, it get mean? It does not get me, not from my perspective. I, I don't think I ever had somebody to trash talk me per se. Okay. Um, but I do have people who come at me like extra physical and uh-huh. I have to like give them the desk. They're like, watch it. All right. Who's got the reputation for the best trash talk? Who has the? <laughs> a I lot, feel like it's a lot of people would say Diana. I, I that's who but I was going to say. She really don't trash talk. Really? She don't really. Tra- she's not coming at you like yo, you garbage type uh-huh. thing. She's just talking trash period to, okay. to everybody it can be the the 12th person on the bench to the referee she just don't care she just talks constantly constantly um <laughs> but if i have to say a person that really like trash talk trash talk from my perspective um i probably want to say i don't know i don't know nobody who trash talk like that you guys gotta step it up we have to we step need, it up. we need more but see that's the thing like we respect each other and yeah, we want to prove that like we can hang with the best, but I don't. I haven't had nobody that came up to me and be like, "Oh, I'm about to guard you oh, tonight." That's it's that. amazing how much less drama <laughs> the WNBA has than the, than the NBA. Guys, it's male ego. I also I, I wonder if it's because the season's shorter. You that know, too. Your games have so much value that right. it's it's you guys are so locked in and focused. Right. I think we help each other out more than anything. Yeah, and and, and I can say for myself especially like it. If I'm getting post up and somebody posting me up really hard and they yeah. have the chance to get the ball in the garden and throw it, I'd be like, throw that thing in. Right. What are you 
doing? So from <laughs> from that perspective, I think I'm like, yo, that was a good sale. Like, right. you know, so I think I try to give more credit than yeah. to like try to tear somebody down. Right. But um, it gets to the moments where I definitely give the deaf stare like, you better uh-huh. watch it. See, I like I was a trash talker, right? <laughs> and, and and but I did it. It was fun, right? Like it was all in good fun. I wasn't trying to be mean. Right. Okay. Are do you know your career three point percentage? No. One hundred percent. I shot one three in Chicago. One for one. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I was when I was like, you know, before we got a chance to sit down, I was like, all right, well, let me look at these stats real quick. Yeah. And that was like a Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Do you think you're going to shoot some threes this year? Um, You know what? I actually shoot threes at practice. Yeah. Um, Cheryl do a really good job in making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so she do put me out there on the three-point line. And I must say that I'm fairly good at it. You can ask her. Yeah. And she's giving me the green light to shoot them. But I'm just not comfortable as of yet. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, you score so well on inside in right. the post. That it's not necessary. Like, you create space for everybody else right. by occupying that space. So it's not like you have to do it. No, I don't have to. But my teammates, like, do geek me up. Just one, yeah. just one. I'm like, yeah, at some point. But I'm not really worried about you gotta, it. You got to just space out to the corner every now and then. Every now and then, maybe. Yeah. How, how, are you guys, how have you guys started to mentally prepare for the season? I mean, it's coming up soon. Oh, man. I mean, I'm sure you and Coach have been it's talking been a lot. It's been some serious talk um, because I think once this free agency stuff come to a shutdown, um, you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of moving pieces across our league, which is great for us yeah. because you'll have, like, super-duper teams now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious to see how this is going to all play out. But um, for the most part, um, I think this is going to be a great season. Yeah. It's going to be a great season. I think every team is trying to load up as much as possible and – it's going to be very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys started to, to talk about how you're going to make up, uh, again, another season without Maya? Um, yes. That's always been a talk. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to roll with what you have. You can't really rely on the things that we had in the past. Uh, I am looking forward to this season, um, only because we did well last season yeah, and we yeah. wasn't expecting to do so. And so just trying to add from that growth mm-hmm. and see where we can go from now is uh, very exciting. Yeah. All right. So – as we wrap up, would you like to make a championship prediction for for you guys? For a championship prediction? Uh-huh. Um, the gold medal prediction would be the easy one. The, yeah, that would you be know. easy. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it funny that everybody just automatically thinks, like, we're just going to go in and win. Like, it's given to us. Um, but at the end of the day, these, I think these teams have a lot to prove. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to all the grit. And, of course, I'm looking for a gold medal, no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for sitting down. I no appreciate problem. it. Thank yeah, you. This was great.